Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up. It is time for another edition of AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. Hello, Aubrey Everts. Hello. How are you? <laughs> My name is Tony Schiavone, and uh, Aubrey and I are going to talk a little bit about what is going on in... AEW, because there is a lot going on. Uh, first of all, uh, great to be working with you again. We've, uh, we're moving into the uh, month of July now. Yes. Actually, I, I want to start off with a story real quick, because uh, I want to tell you how much I love you. Oh. I'm currently, as, I, as the time we're recording this, I'm still in Chicago because I stayed here an extra day. Detroit's only like 45 minutes away or whatever. So I had to pack all of my recording equipment, like my light, my stand, my recorder, my all these cables and stuff, because I love you so much mm-hmm. so that you could take your ass and go back to Atlanta and record from the comfort of your bat cave. I had to like unpack a couple of shoes I was excited to wear just so I could make room for all this bullshit. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting here like, man, fuck Tony Schiavone, man. Like, <laughs> but I love you, bud. I wouldn't do it for anyone else. Thank you very much. I love you too. Uh, I was a little bit late to getting here today because I've been on dog patrol. As you can see, uh, the bug is not here with us right now. He'll be bounding. He'll be bounding up the stairs any moment now. So I had to, I had to, I had to pull off on that to, uh, get involved in this, but I love you too. I really do. Yay. We are having a lot of fun being a part of AEW as we move towards, uh, but this being our third year. Uh, yes. doing this uh, a lot of great things have happened a lot of uh, challenging things have happened as a matter of fact one of the most challenging things has been uh, the injuries that we have had here in AEW it's kind of amazing it's it's a challenge uh, to be able to uh, really put the, put on a show when you don't have your big stars and it's not to say that we don't have big stars left because we do but we don't have CM Punk right now we don't have Brian Danielson we don't have Kenny Omega Kyle O'Reilly is out. Samoa Joe is off uh, doing a project. Adam Cole has been hurt again. Dax Harwood of FTR is not hurt, but he is banged up. You know, you yep. may you may see the shoulder that uh, tape that he has on. Jungle Boy's not been around for a little while. MJF walked out, so it's been a challenge really to to put together a TV show. And I know because I'm I'm involved in that process, but. Then when you circle back and you think about what we just saw at Forbidden Door, yeah, I know there was a lot of Japanese stars from New Japan Pro Wrestling there and some American stars and obviously some stars internationally, but it's been a pretty cool time to be able to say, hey, we're doing well. 
despite. It's been interesting. I think Forbidden Door is proof positive of a lot of things. Like when the show was announced, it was like it's the United Center. It's, you know, this day, end of June, whatever. And not a single match was announced and it sold out. Yeah. And I think that is a testament to what AEW has become that there is enough word of mouth and enough proof on our part that our pay-per-views are must watch. They're must see. And our fans believe in us. And regardless of who's going to be on the show, they know it's worth watching. Like we had extremely successful pay-per-view. I think like, uh, I think Tony said in his press conference, like he was hoping for at least a hundred thousand buys. And that would have been like real successful. And we did more than that. It's just like all of our pay-per-views year after year have grown. Uh, and we're, we're seeing amazing growth for the company. So from that perspective, it's great. And I think also like, I mean, the running joke is like, oh, we hired another person this week because we just keep bringing in people. But then when we see like the unfortunate thing happens of all of these injuries, we get to take advantage of the depth of the roster that we have, the depth of the fantastic talent that we have and the stars we've been building. And it's just a testament to everything that TK has done, to everything that, uh, that, that you've done and everything that everyone does to make this company the success it is. It's like, despite running into these challenges, we pulled off one of the greatest shows we've ever done. It was just high intensity the entire time. And I think the other thing that's great too is, and I was talking to, to Jericho about this, like, I don't think you can assume that the 17,000 people that were there were all like hardcore New Japan fans, that they knew who everyone was. Like, not everyone there knows who Shingo is. Not everyone there knows who, you know, Shoto Umino is. But our crowd was there for us and they were into it. And it didn't matter who it was. Like, we did enough to sort of build, brought in some people on Dynamite. Like, Will Ospreay was there, had, had a couple matches. Uh, the rest of the United Empire was there. Okada, uh, Jay White, Suzuki had been on Dynamite a couple times. So, we'd done the work to sort of bring these talent into the light of our fan base. And they were there for us and they were there the entire show. And they were just, you could feel the love from our fan base during that show. It was incredible. We have now had a couple of million dollar gates within the span of a month on Double or Nothing. And then, of course, Forbidden Door. And our next one, of course, is going to be All Out, which will be coming up on Labor Day weekend. Really not much talk about as far as the card or nothing to talk about as far as the card is yeah. concerned, but it's, it's going to be back in the Chicago land area once again. So forbidden door was tremendous fan response was incredible. Was such a fun event to be a part of on, on many levels. It's hard to pick out some of the great moments because there were so many, but obviously number one is Claudio arriving. Yes. He was uh, tucked away in the back. And, uh, he was in, I got there early and he was in Tony Khan's room and that's kind of where I hang out during the day. It's not kind of where I hang out. It is where I hang out. It's where you hang out. <laughs> and so, I mean, I get there like at 1230, I think. Um, and so a lot of people are not there and I open up the door and he's standing there and I go, holy shit. <laughs> so you are here. I mean, people have speculated online who's going to be here. And, uh, I had been told by many people. What a wonderful person he is, a good person he is. Oh, yeah. And I found out just by spending 30 minutes with him what type of guy he is, and he is spectacular. And what a moment when he walks out, huh? 
Oh my God. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing as much speculation as I can too, because I'm just as much of a fan of wrestling as everyone else is. And I mean, we've, we've kind of mentioned before, like, we don't know what's happening. Like we, like you found out it was Claudio that morning. I, I look at the format and I see the ref assignments and I see Bryce has that match. I'm like, Oh, it's Claudio. Like I knew immediately because those guys go far back. And I think like the amount of Chikara people we have at AEW is insane and I'm like there's so much history here like he's gonna come out and there's already a story built in there's you know his his background with Brian Danielson he's got a whole thing with Eddie Kingston he's just so incredible as a wrestler and a person and I I saw him after I was like dude I loved your work with Tyson Kidd like his his history is so good and every time we bring in someone who's done so much in this business I'm like man here's another person to learn from this is great. So I'm I'm excited to see him. The time of recording, we haven't done Blood and Guts yet. And I know he's going to, that's how he's debuting in Dynamite. And I'm just so stoked for that. Yeah, the last Blood and Guts, which we did at uh, Daly's Place, was incredible. This one is going to be even more so because instead of five on five, it's, it's going to be six on six. And we're going to have another big crowd at the Little Caesars Arena in, in Detroit. First time in Detroit, so a lot of great things. Claudio was uh, stayed in Tony's room all day, did not go out, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, hung out there with him uh, all day. And I, uh, I I got to know him very well, and some people came in who were his very good friends from, you know, his times on the independent circuit and, and mm-hmm. in WWE. And it was uh, just great talking to him and did an interview with Tony Khan, uh, and uh, I did, and so we had uh, – it was just really, really a great day. And then the, the show started. Also, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. comes in and uh, I talked to him and just blew me away about how much he knew about my career. Now, I mean, here's a young mm-hmm. kid. I know he's in his 30s, early 30s. He's from Great Britain. Everyone's young to you, old man. Well, yeah, you're right. Everyone except Arn Anderson and Dean Malenko. There you go. Bitch. Asshole. <laughs> You're talking about Zack Sabre Jr. being young and knowing so much about your career. He was a uh, WCW kid growing up, so it was just a, a, a great day on many levels. Now, as far as the matches are concerned, a lot of great matches, a lot of great things to talk about, but, and I put this up on social media, I just thought Will Osprey and Orange Cassidy just absolutely oh. tore the building down. It was like, I haven't seen that much Will Osprey compared to Orange Cassidy. But man, that kid can go as well. Oh man. So I I mean, there there was quite a response on Twitter when that match was announced and a lot of people were like, Oh, you're wasting Will Ospreay. It's like, no. I knew immediately as soon as like Orange stepped up to Will on Dynamite, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be match of the night. Because Orange Cassidy has that ability to make you think he's a terrible wrestler because he just doesn't care and he has all that apathy. But when he's in the ring, he's so good, and he's just one of the best guys on our roster. And his understanding of of wrestling, his background, his training, his psychology, like everything about Orange Cassidy is great. And you pair him with Will, who, you know, and when Kenny left New Japan, he basically gave like Will and Jay White the 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 crown and said, "Okay, this company is on you guys." And Will is just one of those guys that's so good. And I it's easily like I knew it was going to be match of the night. 
And it was. And I think the crowd knew it. And I love your tweet. It's like, you don't have a pulse if you don't like that match. Yeah. It was just so good. Like, on, on top of all of the other amazing matches that happened that night. Right. It's insane. Insane. I have a chance, and you have a chance to talk to the wrestlers afterwards. And, and most of them are, are just so low-key about their matches. And they want to, you know, you obviously talk to them and you say, hey, great match. And they, a lot of them go, you sure? Was it a great match? And Or they're like, no, it wasn't. I messed this up and blah, blah, blah. They all get start getting super critical of themselves. Yeah, that, that's just the way our business is. And that's the way entertainment is, actually, the entertainment business. A lot of also, I got to introduce interview Juice Robinson for the first time. Yes, and uh, that was cool to be able to do that. John Moxley, uh, it's an old cliche, but he bled like a stuck pig. When does he not though? <laughs> that Matt Matt was like freaking covered with blood. Yeah. Then we do an interview afterwards. It's funny, a little backstage thing. We do an interview afterwards with the group for Blood and Guts. And so he just walks to the interview, blood all over his face. Yeah. But he, uh, John Moxie's a different level. He's a different, he's a different level than anybody I've ever been around in my life. Because the John Moxley that you see on the screen is the John Moxley that we see backstage. He's just no nonsense guy. And, um, which reminds me, you have to put gloves on when there's blood. Yeah. For safety. For safety, right. But that makes it more of a challenge for you, too, as a referee, when someone is really, really bleeding. But you have to be concerned about their well-being. Are they bleeding too much? How long can we go with this? I mean, John Moxley reminds me of that. The wheeler to john Moxley match we had not too long ago reminds oh. me of that, right? Wheeler's just spewing blood from his face. Like, oh, so, so crazy. So, like, the gloves thing's interesting because... Like putting gloves on in a match is already difficult because they end up sticking together. Your hands are sweaty. The gloves are sweaty, whatever. And we're, we don't get latex gloves because there's people with latex allergies. So like they're, they're the kind that like don't necessarily go on that easy. So once you actually have them on and you're focused on the blood, it's just one of those like, okay, this is, this is kind of concerning because our first job is safety. Like we need to make sure that the talent is safe and that they're not doing anything stupid because it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So while, while someone might be like bleeding profusely in one match, it's like, how is this going to affect them long term? And you're sitting there Sunday going, OK, this guy is bleeding buckets. We're 70 hours away from another match where a lot of people are going to be bleeding. And that's like the first thing going through your head is like, at what point do we need to loop the dock in? And the crowd knows that too without saying it because we all just like, we care about the people behind the wrestlers. Like, and John Moxley's had one incredible year, like went to rehab, came out, looked great. And he's, he's got, you know, his daughter just turned one, moved back to Cincinnati. Renee's doing great. Like the year he has had is insane. It's, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of everything he's done. I'm so proud of everything he continues to do. And I'm so happy that he's our interim champion. Well, the year we have had is insane as well. And we still got a lot more of this year to go. We'll talk about that, some of the venues and some of the places we're going to be. And also talk about some of the things that have happened here in 2022. Aside from Forbidden Door, we continue on AEW Unrestricted. 
This is AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. We've got Tony Schiavone and me, Aubrey Edwards, shooting the shit. We've had just an incredible year so far at AEW, and like Forbidden Door just happened. Such an incredible pay per view, so successful, like financially and just for all of the talent involved. What a what a show! But it was literally a month ago we had another incredible pay per view in Double or Nothing with our return to Vegas, with you know all of these amazing things that happen, and I I want to talk a little bit about the Owen Hart cup tournament and just what that meant for wrestling in general. Like we, we know Owen tragically died and then there was, you know, a lot of bad blood and wrestling and whatnot. And Dr. Martha Hart has been working so long to just, you know, with, with all of her nonprofit stuff, trying to make the world better and seeing her and her kids backstage and seeing just the love that they have for this business and the appreciation that they have for AEW and everything, what that tournament meant, like it was just so wonderful that we were able to do that. Love it. I agree. I, I think it's uh, it's it's a difficult thing to try to uh, to try to show love to a family that lost so much in pro wrestling. It's not yeah. an easy thing to do. But she did. She uh, she came up with this foundation, uh, and uh, I got to meet her for the first time. I. Uh, I did work with Owen a little bit uh, back in the WCW days, uh, not enough, but Owen was loved backstage uh, as much as he was loved on camera, and probably even more so. Uh, just a just a great guy and a, and a wonderful human being. Uh, I, I think the tournament was uh, a success uh, on many levels. I think we had some great matches in the ring. I think we uh, we honored Owen's name and the family name and the foundation, uh, and it's something that is going to be a, a yearly a yearly yearly event. Plus, and let's say this on another level, Martha's hat, the ascot, yeah, her ascot <laughs> was absolutely wonderful. And uh, we had uh, talked to Martha. Uh, I first met her when we were at the UBS Arena in Long Island when the tournament uh, officially started. We had a lot of uh, of course, uh, qualifying matches, but officially started at, uh, Long Island. So I went up to her and I said, we are going to, I may have mentioned this before on this podcast. I said, we are going to, uh, have you come out and, uh, and talk about the tournament. She went, Oh my goodness, I'm not ready. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, uh, let me, let me work on that a little bit. So I'll bring Tony in and her and Tony decide we'll wait until Las Vegas. And then we got to Las Vegas and I thought she would come at the beginning. She said, no, I'm going to come out at the end. And it all kind of worked out. It really did. It was a great uh, presentation of the belts to Britt and, uh, and Adam Cole. And it's something that we're going to be seeing a lot of as we move forward here. And, of course, it is part of me spending more time away from home than I had in many, many years because I spent a week in Las Vegas. Then we go to L.A. and we go to Ontario oh. and uh, – it was uh, it was pretty freaking cool, man. Did you gamble uh, at all? No, I I don't gamble. I'm already really bad with money, so I don't want to just be intentionally bad with money. It's it's just yeah, you just want to be unintentionally bad. bad with money, right? Yeah, it's like I get you. I uh, I'll put like five dollars in a slot machine, and then as soon as it's gone, it's just like, well, okay, that was my gambling. Yeah, right. Um, I, I didn't go to the tables at all, but I did sleep a lot. But that's another story. Yes. <laughs> Boy, did I ever sleep a lot. 
But that was just a part of, a, of another great night of wrestling. And um, we have uh, CM Punk becomes the world champion. Oh, so good. Just an exciting night. And, you know, we, we talked earlier in the first segment about how, you know, we've had some big gates. Think about this. We go to Mandalay Bay, the Michelob Ultra Arena, for two nights of big crowds. And then oh. we go on Wednesday and uh, again on Friday. And then two days later, we have the pay-per-view at the T-Mobile Arena where the hockey team plays. And we sell that out. And I got to thinking, in the same city, three big gates, it's, it's almost unheard of. It just blew my mind that we were able to draw that many fans to come see us when it's a televised show. I think the other thing that's interesting to think about is a lot of people travel for that pay-per-view in particular. At least they did the very first year. And I think there was some excitement with it returning to Vegas. I know there was on you know the, the roster side. But knowing that so many people traveled to that pay-per-view and knowing how expensive Vegas hotels are during Memorial Day weekend, like that's a big commitment to ask from your fans. And they were there for it. It's, it's like what I was saying in the first segment. Like they, they believe in us and they know that we're going to deliver a fantastic product. And I think we've just proven that time and time again. It's insane to think like, because we were at the Michelob Ultra Arena and you know, we have to clear out Friday night, move everything over to T-Mobile. And then there's posters going up about like Backstreet Boys are playing. I'm like, man, like Backstreet Boys just sold out this arena too. We're on level of Backstreet Boys. This is dope. Like <laughs> when you start to think about it that way, it's like, man, this is great. And then we went to LA immediately after that, which was just crazy that we're at these historic venues. We're at the Forum. It's, it's just so insane how because we spent so long in Jacksonville and like those fans were there all the time but being able to see the west coast and seeing all the people that have been patiently waiting for us to be there and how just insane those shows were like it's we're not even at like the official year three yet like the growth we've had is just insane I keep saying it but it's like it really is you mentioned Jacksonville I, I miss Jacksonville I, I'm I, I just miss the closeness and the camaraderie. I don't miss the the uh, late night staying up to 2 and 3 a.m. Uh, shooting uh, oh, dark yeah. matches. Shooting dark. <laughs> but I, I do uh, I do miss, I don't know, it just when we first, I think I mentioned this on, earlier on the podcast, that when we, were, when we first started in the pandemic, we were all concerned and we were concerned about the business. We were concerned about uh, the state of the economy. We were concerned about people's yep. health. A lot of concern, and then and and I got to think, man, we're going back every week, every week, and then by the time we got halfway through it, of course, we didn't know what halfway was at that time, but by the time we were halfway through it, uh, it got to where it was. I thought it was really cool seeing everybody in the same arena and uh, the camaraderie that we had built uh, amongst us. I I just uh, and then when we finally went back on the road, I just like. Man, I miss Jacksonville. <laughs> I really do. But not to the point to where I, uh, I don't want to see the big crowds again. But I just thought that we, we developed a closeness of a company uh, during, that, uh, during that stretch of you know, 2020 and 2021. I think the big thing is because we were all concerned about the pandemic. And Tony especially wanted to make sure we were all safe. So we're all staying together in the same hotel. 
we're all eating dinner together, we're all partying together. And that sense of camaraderie really just became huge. Yeah. And I think like we we talk about culture all the time and how great TK is and what he's built and how he's just one of the most caring people in the world. But I think it was like the Jacksonville run was really like the the product of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I miss Jacksonville too. And it's it's weird to consider that this will be our first year where we've been touring every week. We haven't had a full year of touring. Like 2019, we, we started October. 2020, we got cut off after uh, Salt Lake. So this this year, 2022, will be the first one where we've been on the road every year. And it's insane to think about that. That two years ago, we were in Jacksonville every other week. And now we're literally everywhere else every other week. Listening to this podcast, if you're wondering out there, gosh, Shivani and uh, and Aubrey are just singing the praises of AEW. Uh, oh, I'm I'm a kiss ass because it's great. <laughs> you know, it's it's legit that we enjoy our jobs uh, in in a sport or in an entertainment that you don't necessarily always enjoy because of the of the travel. And because of the toll it can take on your body and staying up late and going from town to town. And, um, it's just, uh, we do enjoy our jobs, but it's the jobs do come with uh, a lot of challenges. And, uh, but if you're, if you work for a good company, the, the challenges are much easier. I went home for 30 hours in between where were we before, uh, Milwaukee and Chicago. So I'm just like I've literally seen my husband like two days this month. Yeah, because we were we were gone for so long, and I'm just like, man, I really don't want to get divorced. <laughs> I get that, and and the fact is is that you live out in Seattle, and we're we really don't go out west that much. We go to the Midwest, oh. and we stay on the East Coast mostly. Um, but and if, really, if you talk about Texas, the Midwest, everything east, uh, we'll be coming back out there very very soon. I know, but. It, it's got to be a toll on you to drive or drive yeah. uh, to fly uh, to fly cross country as much as you do. It is. It's one of those. I I'd compare it to my commute. Most people will sit in traffic and, you know, waste their life in a car for multiple hours a week. I just sit in a plane. I don't have to think about it's not like a bus stop where I have to, like, make sure I don't miss my stop. It's like, yeah, I'm going to one place. I get work done on planes. It's great. I just I just happen to commute only two days a week. That's it. But uh, kind of thinking back to that, like I'm just so grateful for the fact that I didn't have to move, that I've gotten to stay where my family is. I've gotten to stay where my friends are, where, you know, I built a prior career and that it's just like, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll fly you from wherever because we want people to be happy and love their lives outside of wrestling. Just, I mean, just to continue the ass kissing, like, the fact I still get to stay in Seattle is great. Uh, by the way, let everybody know we'll be going back to uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium uh, once again. Uh, we we were there a year ago for uh, the inaugural Grand Slam. And a uh, gigantic crowd. You probably saw, the, if you did not go, you probably saw the photographs uh, of the crowd uh, online or you saw the television show. That was pretty cool. I, uh, it was pretty cool that I had never been to what is center court for the U S open. And, uh, it was pretty cool to be in a New York city and drawing that big crowd. Uh, some memorable, uh, things for you 
from that show? What do you remember from that show? Like being in front of 20,000 fans is insane. And when you're in the ring, you don't necessarily see 20,000 people just with the way that the lights are. Right. But you feel 20,000 people because they're all just on their feet. They're all engaged. And then the way that arena is built, all of the sound funnels into the middle. So it just feels even bigger. And I remember just walking into that building and it's gorgeous. And the dressing rooms have like the names of all of the tennis players that have played there. And you just know that even though this is like a newer arena compared to some of the other places we go, there's so much history there. And I remember that that night in particular, because that was the first night I worked with CM Punk. And uh, I was originally supposed to do his first match, but you know that it didn't happen for a number of reasons I'm not going to go into. But like he said, like, yeah, I want you to do my next match. And it ended up being in front of 20,000 people, him and Will Hobbs. And I'm just like, this is a, a dream. The guy that got me into wrestling, and now I'm I'm in this ring yelling rules at him. <laughs> how 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 insane is life? We've come full circle. We'll be going uh, back to uh, Grand Slam and going back to Arthur Ashe Stadium on September 21st for uh, our Grand Slam event, our Grand Slam Dynamite, and of course taping Grand Slam Rampage. So. Uh, keep in mind that we'll be going back there once again. All right. We got uh, more to talk about, including uh, not only is it AEW now that you hear about, it's Ring of Honor. We'll do that <laughs> when we continue on AEW Unrestricted. It's AEW Unrestricted, Tony and Aubrey. Uh, it's our shooting the shit episode that we love to do. Yes. Because we do yes. a lot of we do a lot of that backstage anyway. All right, so uh, Ring of Honor is a reality uh, purchased by Tony Khan, and it uh, gave us an influx of titles, gave us an influx, I guess, of footage to be able to use, uh, and and talent. What do you think this means to the industry? I I think it's great. I think like they've got the big pay per view coming up, Death Before Dishonor. I think it's the twenty first in uh, Massachusetts. It's it means so much because Ring of Honor has meant so much to wrestling in general. The history that that show has, the history that the history that is tied to AEW, the amount of stars that we have had that have been built through Ring of Honor, like the CM Punk Summer of Punk is synonymous with Ring of Honor. Brian Danielson is synonymous with Ring of Honor. Claudio Castagnoli, like John Moxley, all of these guys, the Young Bucks. Bullet Club, like all of that is just Ring of Honor. And I remember hearing the news at the end of uh, last year when they're like, oh, we're, we're folding, everyone loses their jobs and stuff. And I think immediately, like passively, the joke was made like, oh, it's okay, Tony's going to buy him. Like, I, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. <laughs> but to know that that history is going to live on and that we have, I mean, just with, with, Wrestling and copyrights and ownership and all that, the fact that we can talk about that history and we can show that those video clips and we we have the the ability to show the history of how this company was come together and where this talent has come from, it means so much to wrestling. And I think the people that have been Ring of Honor, like I've been a Ring of Honor fan the entire time I've been a wrestling fan, and I'm so happy to know that that is going to keep living and there's so many people that have had great runs at ring of honor that are going to continue to have great runs of ring of honor like the briscoes jonathan gresham all of these guys 
like we had uh, Dalton Castle and Jonathan Gresham for the title at Battle of the Belts 2. It was just insane. The amount of opportunities that this this talent is going to get now. The Ring of Honor actually uh, became a reality uh, during my hiatus, my 18-year hiatus from, from wrestling. So I was not that familiar with it, but I, I did know some people that worked at it. But it's amazing how much – how many people went, quote unquote, through Ring of Honor or was a part of Ring of Honor uh, during the course of their career. And it, it shows you how much of an impact it had on wrestling. Uh, and um, so it's great to have them here. Now, you're right. The, the next pay-per-view is coming up in the month of July, which is going to be a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Death Before Dishonor. We also have, obviously, you're seeing that, that Tully Blanchard is a part of Ring of Honor now with his stable. Yes. And uh, Jonathan Gresham is the Ring of Honor world champion. Mercedes Martinez is the women's world champion. Uh, Wheeler Yuta is the pure champion, which I love. The, I love the idea of a, of a pure cha- title. And, of course, uh, Dax and, and Cash, FTR, are the uh, Ring of Honor tag team champions. So we've got some pretty solid champions in place. And and as we move on, I know there are there are plans for Ring of Honor. I know fans are out there like, as the old cliche goes, chomping at the bit. Uh, when are we going to see more Ring of Honor? Well, it's a process. Yeah. It's a process, uh, and we'll be seeing more of it as we move along. So, uh, do you think it's? Uh, I shouldn't even address this <laughs> because you know that's, every fan has their opinion. Some opinions are good. Some people just want to call shit. But do you think that uh, there are too many titles now? Now that the Ring of Honor, we've, we've folded the Ring of Honor title in and we have the All-Atlantic title. I don't. I don't. I like title matches, but uh, now we've got all the AEW titles, We have the, including the All-Atlantic title. Uh, we have uh, all the Ring of Honor titles. So I really enjoy all these titles and all these title matches. Um, give them a reason just to wrestle. Yeah. I mean, like, I, just, I just talked about history, right? Like every title has history associated with it. Like Peck is now the first ever All-Atlantic champion and you can't ever have another first. And the amount of work he's done to get to this point, like that's something that he's earned. And I was so happy to see him win that. Yeah, me too. The dude flies from from the UK every like few weeks and then he stays in America mm-hmm. for a few weeks at a time away from his wife. It's like that alone is a big commitment. And I don't think we have too many titles because... You know, we have a limited amount of TV time. We get to see cool stuff happen. We get to rotate things in and out. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing roster depth, and that has proven very helpful when you have a ton of injuries. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's a great way to push people, too. Like, in, in wrestling, the goal is to get titles. It's to be the best. And with all of these different titles, there's so many opportunities for people to come in and prove themselves. I think it's good for business. I think it's good for business too. It's obviously good TV and we're, we'll have that pay-per-view as we mentioned coming up death before dishonor uh, coming up here in the month of uh, July as we move on to the summer. All right. So uh, Aubrey, Tony, it's been a great uh, run since October of 2019. And uh, we got a lot more great things coming up. Um, who knows who's going to show up. We've kind of laid the uh, kind of laid the foundation for a surprise every pay per view. Yep. Let's see what we have uh, coming up at Ring of Honor, or what we have coming up at All Out 
uh, coming up in the Chicagoland area and, um, in September. Should be a lot of fun. We're the year's only half over. We've got so much left to do and so many awesome places to see and so many fans to reconnect with. It's a really, really exciting time in wrestling. And we keep saying that, but we're just riding this wave, man. And I enjoy working with you, buddy. Oh, I love working with you. I always look forward to these podcasts, even when I have to lug this fucking equipment everywhere. (laughs) I do it for you. You're a lugger. I can tell you that. Uh, Fans, don't forget, as always, we come to you each and every week on AEW Unrestricted, wherever you get your podcasts, or if you want to see the video version of this and see the bug. He's adorable. And uh, you can uh, check us out on YouTube just by searching AEW Unrestricted. Those YouTube episodes come out every Monday. Uh, And then stick around on YouTube on Mondays and you can watch Dark Elevation. Tuesdays, we've got Dark on YouTube. Wednesdays, we're on TBS Live with Dynamite, different city every week. Rampage, Fridays, TNT. We've got so much awesome wrestling, so much awesome talent. And it's just great to be a wrestling fan. I'm Aubrey Edwards, along with my best bud, Tony Schiavone. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted.